Welcome back, my yoga audio listeners. Today is another interview day, and our guest is none other than Wanda Abney, also known as Ms. Wanda, your weekly host on 97.5 KDFM here in Sacramento. With a focus on empowerment through conversation, Wanda hosts a show called Full Circle, a weekly radio show each Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. that's dedicated to the empowerment of Black women. Each week, she invites experts into the studio to discuss topics important to our community. Taking a holistic look at womanhood, Miss Wanda guides listeners to examine the areas of spiritual, physical, and emotional health, entrepreneurship, finances, family, self-care, and much more. Her goal is to provide information which allows the audience to make informed decisions about the life they desire. Recent guests have included an expert on female reproductive health, an acupuncturist, and a self-love coach. So Wanda is a radio broadcast veteran who, as a young girl, dreamed of working in the music and radio industry. She began her career in 1998 as a promotions intern. And then in 2019, Wanda was recognized as an exceptional woman of color in the field of communications and public affairs by the SAC Cultural Hub Media Foundation. And when she's not on the air, Wanda develops and delivers leadership training courses to State of California managers and supervisors. Ms. Wanda has a heart for seeing people thrive in every situation. In 2015, she received her life coaching certification through the UC Davis Coaching Program and subsequently launched Speak Her Consulting, a coaching, training, and speaking firm. Through this endeavor, Wanda hopes to walk alongside people seeking to navigate change in their lives. A 30-year cancer survivor, Wanda certainly has had her share of life-changing events, She readily shares her story of overcoming difficult circumstances on air, stage, and in the compilation book, She Believed, Volume 2. And in her chapter, Freedom by Grace, Wanda recounts the steps she took to healing after a painful divorce. Wanda is eager to get more involved in her community, especially as it pertains to highlighting issues concerning Black women and girls. And in her free time, you can find her at the ocean, She also enjoys bowling, reading, and participating in 5K race events. Wanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for agreeing to be here with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. I appreciate the invitation, and I'm honored to sit down with you once again to talk, just get to know each other more and just share with each other. Yeah, it was beautiful. I I didn't mention it before, but Wanda graciously had me on full circle a couple of months ago to talk about my book and to talk about my yoga audio. So many of you may have heard that interview. If not, it's in the link in the bio for Maya on Instagram and on my website. And how Wanda and I actually met was virtually the first time through Creative Mornings. And many of you know, I've, I've mentioned this before, a few of our guests, that's how I met them was through this wonderful It's local. There's a Sacramento chapter, but they have, I think, 167 chapters around the world now, just about every major and non-major city around the world. And Wanda was a featured speaker last year, and she went on about the theme of underdogs. And I don't want to give anything away because I think you should go to Creative Mornings recordings and watch it for yourself. Let's just say there's some Hamilton uh, (laughs) themes in there that were fantastic. 
Wanda did an amazing job. And it was like earlier on in the in the pandemic. And I think when people were just like, what is happening here? And you just brought such energy and light and like real solutions. Like I've written down, I have sitting by my desk side, I wrote little notes about things that you said that I thought were so encouraging to people. And so I'm just, again, think it's amazing that you're here. I want to thank you for being on the show. And I always tell listeners how we met. So that's how we met was through Creative Mornings. So I wanted to get right into our questions, Wanda, so we can get to know you more. I know you're an author, you're a mother, you're a public speaker, and I'm sure there's a lot more that I and we don't know about you. So I wanted to ask you, how would you describe yourself in this moment, who you are and what you are striving towards? Oh, that's a really good question. And I like the intersection of my life right now. When I look back at who I have developed into be in this moment, I am a mother, as you stated, a mother of an adult child, which is interesting in itself. And I know we'll probably talk about that a little later, but I am a person that really wants to see better for my community as a whole, but more importantly for women and girls, because I feel like there's so many things happening. I like to say I'm a connector of people because I do have a lot of connections through the show and through people I meet. So I always have someone asking me like, do you know someone that does this or that or in conversation? I'll always say, well, I know who you should talk to and that. So I'm a connector of people and I have a heart for my community, but I'm also a woman that is still on this journey of self-discovery and of healing. I am a daughter, an aunt, a friend, and a wife in training. And so (laughs) I am a wife in training. That is a role that I take a lot of pride in because after going through my first marriage, I was able to examine who I really was in that and heal those parts to be better for the next marriage. So I am very optimistically single right now. But yeah, I'm just this person that loves people, loves to help people, and is still looking to make a difference in the world and continue to live out the things that I desire for myself. I love that you brought up wife and training, but then quantified that with, I mean, basically how that translates to me is you're becoming the best version of yourself so that you can then be the best partner to somebody, you know, when that situation presents itself. And it's, I love that it kind of flies in the face of so much that we're taught about you get completed by another partner. Like, so once you find that person, then everything's going to just fall into, into place. And we all learn one way or another, (laughs) difficult, usually a difficult way that that's not how it works. So thank you for that commitment to advocating for yourself and self-healing because then that translates to everybody you're speaking to and you're working with and that you're connecting. I love that, that you're a connector of people. So I wanted to delve into that a little bit further. I've been listening to uh, Leila Saad's podcast called Good Ancestor, and I've been loving the experience of it very much. So I highly recommend it to listeners. And one of the questions she asks all her guests that I also ask but not in the same way that she does, but I wanted to borrow the way she phrases it to ask you today, who are the ancestors that have shaped the woman that you are now? And so keeping in mind that these can be people in your life that are 
directly in your DNA and your lineage or people that you consider ancestors that you're not even related to living or transitioned. It could be anyone, literally. Gosh, there's so many influences in my life on the personal development side. Of course, I think about my mom and my aunts and my family. When we have these family reunions, it's really nice because I grew up in California, so I didn't grow up with my cousins and my immediate cousins and things like that. So going back to Savannah and being able to see my aunts and spend time with them, when I hear the stories about our family, it really warms my heart. So I think about my mom and my grandmothers and my aunts and things like that, my uncles. But I also think about myself in terms of being this lover of broadcast media. And I think about Kathy Hughes, who has created this entire empire. She started with Radio One, and now it's TV One that we all watch Unsung on, if you watch Unsung. And she's branched out and to create this legacy, this radio broadcast media legacy for Black and Brown people that we haven't seen in mainstream media. So I think about Kathy Hughes. Of course, I think about Oprah because of what she was able to build in terms, again, of broadcast, first woman to own her own studio and all of those things. So I think about the broadcast pioneers. I think about Suzanne DePass, who, if people don't know that name, just go back to Motown uh, at the very beginning. And she was the discoverer of Michael Jackson. But in that, she has built a broadcast media corporation, again, that these are things that, you know, you don't typically see a lot of Black women owning these large media companies. And so I think about them and how they drive me. So a lot of the, the ancestors, if you will, that I think about are people that are mostly living, but doing the things that I see that has set the path for me. And so those are the shoulders I stand on because of my love, I think, for the media as I, who I am personally is hearing my moms and my aunts struggle about sitting at a lunch counter in Savannah, being hosed and having the dogs turned on them. I think about that legacy and what they had to fight for and how at one point I did take it for granted, but now having such an appreciation for what they went through, for what I've seen that generation go through, the John Lewis and all those things. But knowing now how much more important it is to recognize that legacy. And so when I think about who I am, I think about that side, but I also think about this media empire that is still brewing in me <laughs> that will hopefully get out before I leave this earth. <laughs> Yes. Oh, you've touched on on things that are so, so powerful in a couple of different ways. It's interesting. I was talking with another friend yesterday about Oprah, and they were telling about somebody else dismissing Oprah, saying, yeah, but she's, she's an elite now. She's privileged. She has money. Yes, but where she came from, like for those of you who know her history, she came from a really poor, really traumatic, really devastating childhood. For her to even, you know, it's amazing when people can get to such a, a point that they're a media conglomerate, period. That's a miracle. But to actually come from what she came through to get there, that is just 
a tale. <laughs> and then for you talking about your ancestors, and we've all seen videos on television about Jim Crow past, but to actually know people in your family who lived through that, who experienced that, who witnessed that firsthand, that's a real lived experience, you know, that is part of your family's experience. And I believe in, in some ways, part of your DNA in the sense that that, that trauma carries through. Thank you for for sharing that with us, uh, something that's so painful and has definitely impacted your life and your family's life and who you are today. I guess on, on that theme of continuing on a journey, and we, and we announced a little bit of that in your bio when I was introducing you, but your journey to becoming the Miss Wanda that you are today and what compelled you initially to pursue a career in radio. I know you've always dreamt about it. And then this is something you talked about in your underdog theme in your Creative Mornings talk last year that was fantastic. But I'd love for our listeners to hear you reframe your journey to now, and especially in light of what other shifts have, might have taken place for you and for all of us since 2020. You know, we jokingly refer to it as the decade of 2020, but it did feel like, you know, 10 years rolled into one. So curious your reflections now, you know, both on what happened in your talk last year, but what's happened since then. Yeah, I always tell people that radio chose me. Like, I cannot say that enough. Radio chose me at about eight or nine years old. It was a bug that bit me, and there was no antidote <laughs> for it. Uh, so, so yeah, it's it was, I've always had a love for music. I wanted to be in the music industry. Initially, it wasn't necessarily radio. It was maybe being A&R at a label or something like that. But as things went on in my life and I had experiences, and of course, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, where radio was the thing, right? We didn't have all of the things that we have now in terms of entertainment. Radio was it. Everyone was listening to the radio and the jocks on the radio were just like the, the man and the woman, right? There was just something that shifted for me that I think it's a combination of my love for public speaking and being in front and not in a vain way, but being in front, sharing information with people and my love for music and all of that was combined. And that was the thing. And I would do anything for it. And what I mean by that is I would work jobs. Like when I started out as an intern, we first, we weren't getting paid. Right. So unpaid internships, things like that. I would do anything for it. I would leave work my nine to five and go to do radio or I'd work midnight to five or, or all of these these things because there was something about it that I still love to this day. So fast forwarding to 2020, I think for me, you know, still having this love for radio, but now still being able to facilitate conversation. I think that's where I'm really having an appreciation right now is where you have this year of shutdown, the complete shutdown and frustration and not knowing how to process, you know, people not knowing how to process feelings and we've got racial tension, all these things, still being able to have that platform to be able to offer that up to the community to say, hey, let's talk about this. Like in June of last year, I had a special three-hour episode with all Black men talking about their experiences because it was, I think there was a, after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and 
right in that one little period of about six weeks or so, it seemed like there was just a rash of more killings than ever. I had Black men on and we had an extended episode where we just let them unwind and tell their stories and how they're feeling. You know, it's a lot for all of us to carry, but imagine Black men. It was really a lot. And so I love radio. I always will. And I'm grateful that I am able to provide that platform to people to process these pandemic feelings, if you will, right? Process the things that they were going through in the pandemic. And that's been demonstrated through a lot of the different episodes that I've had over in 2020. And in fact, moving into this year, in May, I will, I'm highlighting, I'm doing a special month-long series highlighting people, Black women or women of color that have started their businesses during the pandemic. So I appreciate what radio allows me to do, being that connector of people, being able to offer up this platform to the community to be able to discuss the things, you know, go through and process the feelings that we have on this, on this platform. I love it. Radio has always been such a friend. I know you and I are similar in in age and I grew up in Canada, but listening to the Detroit radio. And I think I said that to you when we were together on your show about how powerful, I mean, the jockeys truly were um, the gods and goddesses of the universe. And if you could get a request in, ooh, you know, it was so good. It's amazing to see how now, you know, we're on a podcast, which to me, it's kind of funny when podcasting started becoming more popular. I'm like, this is kind of a return to radio. I mean, it's not live typically, but it's that form of listening, you know, that way of just hearing those voices on the air. And I love how that's just kind of, it's a continuation, but also a return to something that used to be so common. And then visualization took over and Instagram live took over and live streaming took over. And for me, it was a comfort to come back into an environment where I could just listen to somebody else's voice. And so I've fallen in love with that. And I'm, it's not lost on me that your journey to being, you know, a radio host is also about like, you're constantly sharing your voice, like you personally, as a woman, professionally, you know, even the work that you do with the California state employees, all of that is, that's continuing to get your voice out there. And I just love that that's a, a continuation of um, your journey. Going a little bit off to the side here, tell us about a time that something really good happened in your life, despite a seemingly impossible situation. Well, I'm actually sitting in the something good. At the end of each year, I usually, you know, New Year's Eve, I usually pray and just, I don't do resolutions, but just, you know, some intentions or things I want to work on for the next year. And I clearly remember... <laughs> At the end of 2019, or the end of 2020, saying, God, help me to prepare myself financially to buy a house in 2021. No, this was in 2019. So in 2019, I said, help me to prepare to buy a house in 2021. <laughs> well, he had other plans for me. <laughs> And I'll never forget, I was, my friend posted this condo on Facebook. She's a realtor. And I called her and I was like, oh, that's really cute, but I'm not ready. And she said, well, why not? And I said, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm not ready. Just, I, it's too much. You know, 2021, I'll be ready. And she goes, well, just call the lender. Just, just see what's going to happen. Just call the lender. 
And I called the lender and the lender was like, no, you have A1 credit. Let's do it. And so I, I'm sitting there and this is at lunch. I'm teaching a class and this was at my lunch break. And I'm like, she goes, do you want me to? She goes, I can write you a pre-approval right now. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, do it. Like, okay, I guess I'm buying a house today. That was maybe like March 1st or April 3rd. I closed on my house. That's fast. Yep. So it'll be a couple of weeks. I'll be uh, one year of home ownership under my belt. So yeah, that was the thing that it was so unexpected. And it wasn't that it was impossible because I had been, since my divorce, I had really been working hard to clean up any financial mess from the divorce. So it wasn't that it was impossible. It just was, I wasn't anticipating that in 2020. Oh, what a rainbow in a year in a year when things went so south so many times. That's right. amazing. Congratulations. That's Thank that you. is huge. There's you know, um Angie Franklin, Afro Yoga by Angie, and when she came on the podcast a couple of months ago, she was saying that was one of her when she looks at equity. And she's like to own something, you know, so whether it's your business, your house, your car, like whenever you can actually have that investment in something that you own and belongs to you, that's the, you know, the next step towards communities, really building generational wealth. So that's something you've done there already for yourself, which is amazing. So thinking about like, you know, home life, and you've mentioned you're the mother of an adult child. So tell us about parenting right now. Both of us have that in common and that our kids are technically adults now. And there's a period of adjustment we go through, or in my case, still going through, (laughs) where we all figure out what that relationship looks like now. And I wondered if you could offer any insights about what you've learned and experienced or continue to learn about that to help others get through it. Yeah, David, the love of my life, (laughs) absolute love of my life. My son, David, And he is not technically, he's a full fledged adult because he is 30 years old. So he's, he's a full fledged adult living his own experience. It was tough. It was really tough because for most of his life until he was 13, it was just he and I, like I was, I co-parented with his dad, but we were never married and we didn't live in the same house after I had David. And so it was just he and I, and then I got married. And so then there's the three of us. And then he turns 18. And, you know, of course, like all young people or most young people, you know, when I get 18, I'm going to, me and my friends, we're going to get a place and we're going to move out and, and all this stuff. And, you know, here we are like, kid, you don't even have a job, right? (laughs) But, But okay. Okay. And so watching him bump his head on things was, it was, that was the hardest thing. Cause I, I think about this and I was thinking about this last night is, you know, when your child's a toddler and you see them starting to walk or a baby starting to learn to walk, you want to protect them from falling. You want to stand between them and the couch or those things, or you see them falling and you go and grab their hands so they don't fall and hurt themselves. But when you're a parent of someone that's becoming an adult or is an adult, it's that same exercise. You're exercising that same muscle where you have to watch them make some decisions that maybe you don't agree with, date some people that maybe you don't like, you know, all of the things. 
depending on the relationship you have with your child, you can give them your opinion, but it's different. You know, it's, I told you, it's, it can't be, I told you don't date that, do not date that girl. It's, well, if you're happy, I'm happy. And just know I'm always here for you. You know, that kind of thing. And this is not to his current girlfriend, Veronica, I love you. Um, <laughs> but, but um, you know, it, it really was watching him make decisions that were contrary to what I would have done. Because one of the things we as people do, and I say this to my best friend all the time, you can't expect someone to react the way that you react and when they don't get mad. And so even with your child, like just because I wouldn't have chose that route doesn't make him wrong. It's just his experience. So parenting this adult who now I, I, I love the relationship I have with my son. I genuinely like him. I, he's genuinely a good guy. And I love having conversations with him. And we can be very candid and open. But getting to that point, watching him forge his own way without me intervening, because he never did anything that was like, was going to put him in harm's way or in jail or anything. He's not that guy. But my son's entrepreneurial by nature. So where my son's thing was, is that he always, like I could, I always never, I never really saw him being a nine to five guy. Now he does work, but he always has these entrepreneurial endeavors on the side or whatever. And so he's not afraid to take risks. And so that's where our, my thing, where I really had to learn to not hover. Cause I was that helicopter mom. Like we lived around the corner from the elementary school. And the first time I let him walk to school, I was right behind him in my car. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the overbearing helicopter mom, putting off a lot of my insecurities on him, or I was putting off a lot of my insecurities on him. And he's this risk taker. And he's okay with taking risk and he's okay with taking a risk and letting it fail and doing something else and pivoting. And so I love the relationship we have now because he also, and I tell him this all the time, he's my role model in a lot of ways. Like my son has more discipline than I ever have had. <laughs> you know, he's very disciplined. He's very focused on what he's focused on. And he does all of his research, very thorough research. So, you know, it was watching him turn into become the man that he is now through all of the mistakes and all of the things. And it hasn't always been perfect. There were times that he and I didn't get along. You know, it wasn't anything major. Like we stopped talking to each other for forever. You know, we've had our, our issues, but he knew that no matter what, I was there for him that no matter what he did, and I told him that, because a lot of times I think people think, well, they know I'm there for them. I'm their mom, I'm there for them. But you have to articulate that. You have to express that and really build a relationship that is, that we're not friends in that regard. Like, like we're, you know, we're not like homies or friends, but we have a friendship, a parent-child friendship. That's different than, you know, friendship with your girlfriends or guy friends or whatever. It's a friendship where I'm your mother. I've raised you. You still have to respect me. And I respect you now in a way that you're an adult male. You'll always be my son. You'll always be my child. But now I respect you as an adult male making your own way in the world. And so I would just say for anyone, because that empty nest period was really, really difficult, like really difficult for me. 
But in that period, I also learned to adjust and allow myself to take my hands off of being the mom in a way that motherhood looked like before. So allowing yourself to take your hands off of their lives, still be involved or whatever, but be involved in a different way. Allowing your child to give you permission to be involved, right? Inviting you in, like asking you for advice and not just because I'm your mom, I'm going to tell you what to do, right? But allowing them to ask you for advice, allowing them to to live their life and not insert yourself in a way that's overbearing, you know, and things like that. That was that was really difficult. He moved to Arizona last year and someone was like, oh, when I know you're going. And I'm like, no, I'm not going right away. I'm going to wait for my son to invite me because I'm not going to just show up and, well, I'm coming to Arizona next month. Well, no, I respect him and his life and what he's doing. And because of the relationship that we have, I told him, I said, I'm waiting for an invitation. I would like to come to Arizona, but I'm waiting for an invitation because I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that mom that just, I'm just showing up and I'm moving next door. And (laughs) so I know that was a really long answer, but it's just, I just want people to know that there really is a shift in the dynamic of your relationship and to really respect that and allow the young people to have their space. Because when I grew up and a lot of my peers grew up with the, you're the child, you know, I tell you what to do, those kind of things. And even the relationship with my mom is not like, it's still kind of like, I respect her, but we don't have that openness that my son and I have. And that was one of the things that was really important to me is being able to be open, hearing his complaints, his gripes, the things that he wants to share with me and not worrying, not taking those things up as my own problem or issue and allowing him to just really explore his life and and to do the things. Knowing I'm 1000% for you, whenever you need me, I'm there, but allowing him to forge his own way in life. And it's, 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 it's been a learning experience, but right now I'm in, I'm in a good spot, but it took some time to get here. I too was raised in a family where it's like children are spoken to and don't speak and you will do what I say. Even when I was an adult, I was still being told like, well, you can't do that. You can't, you know, and you just listened because that was your parents. But I also didn't want to perpetuate that feeling with my kids. I want them to still come home, you know, to, to have a visit and to be with us, which thankfully they they still do. They'll be coming home this weekend. So I'm very excited about that. I want them to be a part of my life and, and to see our relationship evolve. And I'm sure a lot of other listeners do too. And I think a lot of that change that we're all driving is sometimes based in part on what we experienced and wanting to shift that that forward so that those family ties are are stronger in different ways than it's like, it's not an obligation, but just like, Hey, I actually really love my mom or I really like the person my child is becoming like they're in their twenties. Yeah, actually they both are in their twenties now. And it's, yeah, these, I consider them my best friends. And I know I probably shouldn't say that, but it's, it's because they're becoming these people that I actually really enjoy being around and don't feel like I should be saying you should do this and you should do that. And so thank you for all of that. I'm curious how, Now where this evolves into self-care, because I know for me, it's like when the kids were home, my whole life, even when they come visit, my whole life stops and it's all, it's all about them being home and making sure everybody's good and and happy. But then when they're not there, it's like, oh, 
now I can choose to do these things just for myself and not worrying about somebody else's schedule. So little bits of self-care have started coming in. What does self-care look like in your life? Self-care for me is walking three miles a day. Like that is my thing. I've always enjoyed walking, but now I'm more intentional about my walking. In January, I set out, I turned 53. And so I walked 53 miles in my birth month in, in honor of just being on earth. So I have started being a lot more intentional. I like to do the 5Ks and things like that, but now I started being more intentional about walking. So I do about three miles a day. And you know, we live in the same neighborhood. It's so beautiful here. There are plenty of places to go and walk. So being intentional about walking. Also for me, journaling is I think probably one of the most prolific pieces of self-care for me right now. A friend of mine that's an artist introduced me to something called morning pages. And it's just when you start, when you wake up in the morning for 15 minutes, you're just doing a free write, just free writing for 15 minutes. And I tell you that has really given me perspective to move throughout the day because typically I would just have all these thoughts and trying to figure out all these different things and be distracted and all of these different things. But what I found that that morning pages does for me is really just helps me to clear out anything that was kind of left over from the day before that I've been mulling even overnight as I was sleeping and just get a fresh start to the day. So that for me is a really piece of self-care. I love to write and so for me, it's just kind of getting all that out. And so that for me is self-care because then it helps me to approach my day a bit differently. And then, of course, you can find me at the ocean as much as possible. I just took myself there. I was talking to my best friend on Valentine's Day and I said, oh, me and my Valentine are going to the ocean for Valentine's Day. And she's like, oh, really? Who? I didn't know you were dating anyone. I was like, me. Like, I'm my Valentine. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, as much as I can, I try to pop over to San Francisco and just get to the ocean or go down to LA, but mostly San Francisco for like a quick trip. I can sit at the ocean all day long. And so for me, that's my place of peace. Like that's my refuge. I just hearing the ocean waves, smelling the air and just being out just being able to clear my thoughts and allow the things that are troubling me to wash away with the tide. And that, and that might sound so crazy, but I really do feel like when I get there, there's a release that I feel and I can, like, I'm rejuvenated for the next time. And my body will tell me it's time. Like I, you know, I'll tell friends like, the ocean's calling me, like, it's time for me to go back to the ocean. And, you know, we just have that connection, the ocean and I. But, you know, and then, of course, the typical things like massage and, and, and all of those things, taking time out to read and doing projects around my house. Like, I've always wanted to own a home. So now that I do, you know, I have these projects, like I'm embarking on a project now. And so the planning of the project and timing everything out on materials and supplies and things like that, that's really 
self-care for me because when the project is done, then I'll have a patio that I really love and will want to spend time. Again, I love to bask in the sun. So out on the patio, just laid out in the sun, drinking um, a beverage and just, you know, being able to create space where I can relax. So that's, that's what self-care looks like for me. That's amazing. I love all of that for, and we are uh, twin souls with, if you ever want company to go to the beach, I am the same. I start to get really antsy and then I chastise myself. I'm like, I'm less than two hours away from the ocean, but I still only go maybe twice a year. And I think it needs to happen at least seasonally given our proximity and, uh, Oh, that's amazing. Okay, we'll chat offline. Well, my Valentine and I will allow you to come with us anytime. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I can't come, the mister here doesn't like to do the the drive, but I'm like, I think it's worth it to to go and experience that. I feel the same way. And there are some like measurable benefits just in breathing in and being around the salt air. Like that for your lungs, for your skin. I think that physical release and emotional release you feel is also confirmed. Like they also know that there is a, a very serene effect on, on the body, on your nervous system, just by being in proximity to the ocean and hearing the birds and hearing the all of that. So I love it. I love it. Tell us about something that you've heard, seen, or experienced that has really moved you lately and why. There's so much that right now going on with the um, attacks against Asians that is moving me in a way of really wanting to do even more to help fight the systemic racism that happens because I'm seeing all the posts of stop Asian hate and that's fine, but hate is still hate at the end of the day. And so it's just really, that's taking a toll. Seeing, I was watching a video of a young lady I think it was in Germany. It was an Asian young lady and she was reporting how people in wherever she was were being really mean and rude. And she is on her camera and there are men that are coming up, doing their eyes, you know, saying really negative things and stuff. And so one of the things about me is that I am very empathetic to people and to their what they're going through. And so it's just moving to me to see these innocent people, you know, all of us, but to see now this attack, you know, this hatred spread to yet another community in a more vocal way. And that really is taking a toll on my spirit. Like it really is taking a toll on my spirit. Like, you know, I just remember walking yesterday and going, what is happening in the world right now? Like, where is the love? And that's, you know, it may sound cliche, but really, where is the love? Like, there is so much hatred that was cut loose. And now it's just people are just feeling free to do and say whatever they want. And so that really hurts my soul. And it really makes me feel like, where's the hope? Like, you know, I believe in in God. And in the Bible, it says where the people perish, where there's no hope. And I feel like that's where we're going. Like there is no hope or there is hope is fading. I can't say there's no hope, 
But it seems like hope is people's hope is fading. And that really touches me. It touches me to see black women and girls being attacked and missing and all of these things and no one really giving a, a darn about it. Right. No one caring that these girls and women are being abducted, that black women are being murdered by their partners, especially during the pandemic at, at more. It seems like more alarming rates. I don't have specific statistics, but just looking at the news and all of those things are just touching my spirit in a way that I really have to do those things, those self-care things, that walking, that morning pages to help myself to, OK, you know, we can make it through this day. And, you know, get through the day without keeping those things because I'm a lingerer. Like I'll let thoughts linger in my head for a long time, you know, days, maybe even weeks. And I have to find a way to process those things out. So those are some things that moved me. But also what moved me was thinking about the hope of the future in seeing like Kamala Harris. So, man, I'm telling you, I was boo-hooing at the inauguration. I'm in my living room by myself like, oh, 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 just boo-hooing. So that, you know, that moved me to feel like even against the backdrop of hate, like I said, hope is fading, but there's still a little bit of it there. That if we can just, if more people can just grasp onto the hope that we might be all right. Yeah, and reach out to one another. What you just you just answered like two of my next questions, <laughs> which is great because that's you know that's the direction I I was going in, and just start. I wanted to reiterate to people it's something I've been saying on my personal pages and in my personal conversations with people. Just reaching out to one friend at a time, to one neighbor at a time, to you know somebody you see on on the street, and and kind of bringing up that elephant in the room and not just hi how are you great day oh look at it you know like actually having a conversation about the things that are happening around us and connecting with that soul and asking how they're doing in light of you know and I hate to say it but insert most recent tragic event and unfortunately the uh, the shootings in Atlanta are our latest representation of that so that's what I personally did, just started reaching out to people one-on-one, -on -one, like, hey, I saw this, I'm devastated, I can't imagine how you're feeling, do you want to talk about it? And, you know, just letting them cry or letting them, you know, have their one-word answers if that's all they've got, or be like, I can't talk about it right now. You know, I got all those responses, but I, I want that person to know at least somebody else is thinking about them. And we are in this together, and again, I hate to sound like a cliche too, but, you know, as you said, hatred is hatred. And we have to do our part to like <laughs> keep pushing the love out there and keep dismantling that and keep talking about how we can make things better. And so that kind of leads me to my next question. So, of course, this is Maya, my yoga audio. And I always emphasize that it's not just about the physical poses. Yoga is to yolk, you know, within yourself to connect with yourself. So I love that you say you and your Valentine were going to the beach because that's the, the essence of yoga is your, your highest self, your own beating heart. So do you have a relationship with yoga on or off the mat? And what does that look like? I do. Yoga and I are casually dating. <laughs> I always say these things while you're drinking. I apologize. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> um, but I do, I, I try to watch and I love Jessamine Stanley because she makes me feel comfortable. She's a big black woman. She looks like me in a sense. And I feel, you know, because doing yoga when you're a bigger person, it's like 
well, let me just speak for me. I always have a self-conscious about doing yoga with people that look like, and I love, I love, love, love. You cannot tear apart the love that I have for Angie, but Angie's thin, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know, doing yoga with, with people that, you know, you've already feel self-conscious anyway. And so, but I love, I would take a class from Angie at any moment, but just being able to watch Jessamine Stanley in the morning and have her doing these poses that, you know, she's like, I was watching one the other day. She's like, move your stomach over to the left. (laughs) I'm sorry, listeners, if that's gross, but it is what it is. Okay, people. But, you know, just be seeing someone that looks like me that is doing yoga makes me feel comfortable. So I do try to do a couple of videos from Jessamine at least a couple of days a week. Because I do need to stretch my body and it feels so much better. And my day is so much better when I not only stretch, but just when I'm centered and focused on myself and who I am and who I want to, how I want to show up in the day. We're getting along with the yoga. It's it's coming along. It's definitely coming along. It's definitely something that I would like to do more of. Oh, and also I like to watch my very good friend and big sister, Kirsten, I like to watch her videos because again, she's got a little more, you know, meat to herself so she can do some, she, she shows me the hacks, like she had the, the strap. So now I have a strap that I can do some better stretches with or things like that. So I'll watch what she's posting online and go, oh, okay. So now I have blocks. Now I have a strap. Now I can do some things. But yeah, I definitely would like to get more into the practice. I've always put up that barrier up because I was self-conscious about the way I looked. I hear you on that. In my yoga teacher training, our uh, instructor did say that too. And she would teach us certain poses. She'd say, just pick up your stomach and move it out of the way. And she was like this teeny tiny. And we were like, what are you talking about? And she's like, just move it. Just pick it up and move it. So I've, I've been there too. And Kirsten... Her account is this a mutual friend and teacher we're talking about is known as In Her Voices on Instagram. And I think she's on Facebook as well. So you can check that out. She posts videos almost every day, I want to say, or several times a week. And she teaches at the Sacramento Public Library and a lot of places around town, including Raw. So you can check that out if you're looking for more classes. We're recording this during Women's History Month, the month of March in 2021. It'll come out in April, but it is Women's History Month. What do you want to be your legacy and how do you hope to contribute to women's history in some way? I am hoping that Full Circle will continue on connecting and and allowing space for people to have conversation. I, I would like my legacy to be, and actually, I feel like it's building. I had a guest on recently this was our first time meeting in person. We had did a pre-production call on Skype, but this is our first time meeting in person. When she came to the studio, she said, I asked someone about you. And they said, oh yeah, Miss Wanda, she's always looking out for the community, blah, 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 blah. And I was really pleased to hear that that's the reputation that I have built. And that's really important. And it, it's not braggadocious at all. It really is a humbling thing to hear that the good that you really think that you're trying to do is actually doing, is actually being done. And so just a kind of a side note, we had a, a snafu. So we did the episode. So I do my episodes live 
and then upload them to podcasts. And so for some reason, this particular piece that was really important of the episode, I think I accidentally edited it out. And so the podcast drops on Tuesday and she called me and she goes, hey, that piece was not in there. Did you edit that out? And I said, no, you know, I I thought something was, I thought it was the episode was running short. So I must've missed it, but let me go back and see. And she goes, okay, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. And when we hung up the phone, I was crying. And the reason I was crying was because I'm getting kind of choked up now about it. There is a health conference coming up. I, and I kept saying for Black women, and she corrected me and said, well, you know, for all people that have a uterus, because not everyone identifies as woman. And I respected that. And I was grateful she corrected me. I'm okay. Like, I don't have that type of ego. So anyway, I was crying because this was the first time she met me. I was really upset by that. Like, oh, no, you know, like, we're just building a friendship. And here it is, this mistake that really, the way the mistake was, really could have looked like I was being bigoted and just cut that out. So that's why it disturbed me so much is because I didn't want my reputation of, oh, you know, Miss Wanda says she's about the people, but she's really not. Because this is, let me show you what she did to my episode. You know what I mean? And my reputation, I'm very authentic, very transparent, and I didn't want it to appear anything less than. And I was truly upset by that. And luckily I came home, found the audio, fixed it up uploaded the new podcast. No problem. I really did accidentally edit it out, but it wasn't on purpose. And I told her, I was like, there was no malicious intent on my part. And she understood. I was being harder on me than she was. I say all that to say that I want and really live out this legacy of really loving and caring about people, of really wanting to genuinely help people do their best, find the resources, and just live this authentic, wonderful life that they live. And so I would hope that the legacy that I leave, even through full circle, is that this is someone that is supportive, that has always supported the community, that has always given her all to make sure that people have what they need, have the information, and know and feel supported, and know that they have a platform to come on my show. Most people, I'm like, you can come back anytime because it's about them. It's about sharing information. And so I just hope that that's the legacy that, and that's what comes forth when people work with me. I do a lot of philanthropy and stuff that people don't know about. Like I might send money here or donate money here or all that. I don't want the recognition. It's not about the recognition. It's about helping people do whatever it is they need to do. So I hope that the legacy, when you guys are all sitting around, you know, having this big old party celebrating my life, I hope that that, that genuineness comes through at the end of the day, that I really did try to give my all, that I'm honest in the things I do, and that I really just want to see everyone succeed and have the best life possible. No, that feels so alive and true. And having met you in person and many times virtually, I can, I can say that to be true. Oh, you're a gem. Thank you. For listeners, each Saturday morning, you can go live with Wanda on 97.5. You have guests on your show. So Wanda, for people who can't listen in live, whether they're working or doing other things, where can they find the recorded episodes to catch up later? And in general, find out more about your guests, your upcoming shows, and then any other 
creative projects or events that you're working on where they can connect with you? So you can hear the show every Saturday on 97.5 FM if you're here in Sacramento. You can also listen. We live stream at kdeefm.org and just go to listen live. So you can hear the show live that way as well. But if you miss it, you can hear all of my past episodes for the most part are on most of the podcasting platforms. It's Ms. Wanda's Full Circle Radio. And you can find it on Apple, iHeart, Spotify, all of the places. So I do the episodes live on Saturday. And then that live broadcast is edited and uploaded every Tuesday at noon. So you can always listen there. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Full Circle 975. And I usually am uploading, you know, there. I'm also saying the new episodes available. And then you can go out and find it wherever. So it can find it that way. Too. So following the show on social media and subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with friends and family would be where you can find it. Amazing. Thank you so much again for agreeing to be with us here today. You've dropped so many good things about you just as this genuine, amazing, warm and welcoming human who's doing beautiful things out in the world while fulfilling your dreams and teaching the rest of us the ways that we can navigate through this so-called thing (laughs) that is life, which is not always easy, but you make it easier for us to see the joy in what we do. So I want to thank you for that and for being on the show today. Thank you. I am so honored that you asked me to be on your show and I greatly appreciate it. And I greatly appreciate you, Megan, for what you're doing in the community and your space with my yoga audio and all of the things that you're going on. So I just wish you uh, all of the best. Thank you. And for listeners, you know, we release an episode approximately bi-weekly. So stay tuned. We'll have another episode coming up in a few weeks. But I want to encourage you to not only listen to this episode with Miss Wanda, but share with friends and family who need to hear her words of wisdom and more about the goodness happening in our community that she's a part of. And so until next time, listen closely and expand exponentially because it's always a great time for your mind to be on the mat. Mm -hmm.